Grace, mercy, and peace are yours this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus preaches five sermons in 20 verses. His are shorter than mine, but you only have to listen to one from me. If you're doing math in your head right now to see whether or not that's actually a good deal, you can understand why he shows up to preach these five sermons. The church is full of sinners. Each of those sermons is about that. It's an idea that we're okay with kind of in concept. But when God goes and packs a whole bunch of sinners into a box and then calls it a church, our favorite thing in the world to do is act all surprised about finding out there's actual sin in here. Not like the generic, I a poor, miserable sinner kind of sinners, but the kind that commit specific sins, that hurts and anger in specific ways. And to be fair, a box full of sinners ends up being a poor representation of the Lord who loved us enough to bear the cross for us. So I get why people's biggest problem with Christianity is often other Christians. I mean, it's easy to love the concept of a perfect Jesus, but his fan club can be harder to deal with. We shouldn't have petty grudges that boil down to ego here, or false teachers, or anyone who falls away, or disputes to resolve. Sin breaks stuff, so our Lord calls us to flee from it, war against it. If you've been part of a visible church on earth for long, you see why. Stuff hurts. It's not okay. It destroys souls. I understand why so many people want to try and find God apart from his bride, the church. It's easier for me to talk about my personal relationship with Jesus because that doesn't have to involve you. It's harder to look at the box of sinners and say, this is the holy Christian church, and then feel good about being tied to each other in the midst of everything that's wrong. That's why when most people picture the ideal congregation, they try and picture one that doesn't actually need Jesus. The ideal congregation for so many people is a church that will praise his name and hold him at a distance on the fringe of everything that goes on, but... Oddly enough, it's never one that seems to find mercy in him. It's not one that puts the forgiveness of actual sins that cause actual pain at the center of her identity. It's quite possibly the greatest insult that we can hurl at each other while still clinging to the high road. We leave for each other a Jesus who can only be an example, but never actually a savior. When we assume that Christ is a mere example for the church to follow, understand what that is. It's trying to protect Jesus from the very people he's trying to save. It's holding him at arm's length from the people that he draws near to help because they happen to have hurt you or someone that you care about. If Jesus is only an example for them to live up to, they're obviously nowhere near the Jesus that you love so much. That way, his reputation doesn't have to be sullied by the people we don't like because it's easier to love the concept of a perfect Jesus than it is to love his fan club, but that still leaves very little room to talk about how he bore their sins upon the tree while he was mocked for them, which is the thing that 
all of Jesus' sermons are about over and over and over again. He died for you, you sinners, and now you are forgiven. That's our religion. Even for the people that you don't like, that's still our religion. We look at Christians as the measurement of Christianity instead of Christ, and it changes the religion. It puts ourselves at the center of the church and not Jesus. It makes it our church and not his. So the Lord preaches five sermons to sinners in a box, his church, his bride. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is not the one who can do the most. It's the one who needs the most and receives it. Christians are not measured by what they do for Jesus, by but what Jesus does for them. The little child is not more innocent. He is born in the same sin that you are. He is not more trusting. That's why babies cry when I hold them, because I'm funny looking, even if I am also trustworthy. Can't help it. It's just my face. Little children are, more than anything else, helpless. That's why it says, humble yourself like a child, not humble yourself to be great like a child, actually humbled. Little children are more than anything else, helpless. So if you want to make church about what you can build, your box full of sinners will be nothing more than a whitewashed tomb. But to receive the kingdom of heaven as a child is to bring absolutely nothing to the table and still receive everything from the Jesus who gives it all to you. Whoever causes one of these little ones to sin should be drowned like the mob got involved. Because Jesus does not only love the helpless sinners in a box, he even wants them kept from harm, even the ones who have also hurt you. He especially doesn't want them taught that Christianity is measured in themselves. He especially doesn't want them taught that Jesus is only an example. More souls have been lost to despair trying to be good enough, failing and giving up, than false teachers have been disappeared mafia style. So... What if you put your animosity toward your neighbor where it really belongs, not on them for being a sinner, but on the false teachers who would see them called bad Christians before they could ever be called forgiven Christians? What if you held as much animosity in your heart for the ones who would leave Jesus only as an example for your enemies as you did for the enemies that Jesus says he redeemed from their sins? And before you get all choppity-chop for the Lord and gouge out your eye, to add to the sacred scriptures, if your smartphone causes you to sin, throw it away. Remember that this box of sinners is called the body of Christ. And also, if you really believe that nobody ever gossiped before Facebook or coveted before Instagram or lusted before websites dedicated to the same, ask yourself why Jesus needs to teach people who lived and died before any of these things were invented. You are the body of Christ says Paul, and individually members of it. Not all of you can be the eye. Right now, I call dibs on being the mouth, but each part is still held in honor because we are the ones made holy by him who is the head, even Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he is your worth. He is your honor. He is the bond that ties us together, and that's good. But sometimes, a part of the body goes so evil and rotten that it starts to spread an infection into the rest of the body because sin never really stays in those neat little boxes that we put it in. And so sometimes, as sad as it is, a part of the body must be removed from the church before their evil spreads to the rest and drags everyone into hell. It's called excommunication. It's actually not as complex as it sounds. See, there's a difference between sin and unbelief. Sin 
is easy to forgive. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So, in the stead and by the command of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. No more sin. Gone. Really, really easy to deal with. They're gone. Jesus died for you. Your sins are forgiven. He equips the church to handle sin just fine. His cross was plenty. His word is enough. Sin is not okay, but Jesus makes forgiveness free. Sin is easy to deal with here, but unbelief doesn't want forgiveness. That's what makes it dangerous. Unbelief does not want forgiveness. It wants war. It wants self-justification. It wants to blame others. It just never wants mercy. Unbelief says, I don't care what the Lord says. This is not a sin, or here's why I was right anyway, and it just doesn't apply to me. But never, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. This cannot be. The church taught not to need forgiveness is the church that is taught to race to hell. Because even if you cut out your eye and cut off your hands, you are still a stumpy sinner who needs Jesus. But even if part of the body should be taken off, don't rejoice. Pray that the good shepherd will not leave the lost who has gone astray, but seek him out and call him back to forgiveness. It is too easy to find somebody fleeing from God and assume that God wouldn't want them either. But yours is the good shepherd who seeks the lost, even when they got lost on purpose. Jesus saves sinners. Pray he never stops. That way, when you deal with your brother who sins against you, saying, Matthew 18, it can be more than just a checklist to follow in order to get rid of somebody without feeling bad about it. Because this was not given as a checklist. This is not about how to lose your brother. It's about how to gain your brother. It is a desperate attempt to let mercy win them back. The whole point of the chapter is reconciliation, forgiveness, not loss. This is about helping your neighbor caught in sin, not winning against them. This is not about being right, but sinners who are made righteous in Jesus. But sometimes somebody would rather be right than righteous. Sometimes someone would rather win than be helped. Lord, have mercy. But if it ends before the whole church with the brother still lost, it's not because everybody just jumped through the right hoops. It's because mercy was rejected over and over and over again in favor of the self-justification that cannot save. But when Jesus calls this person to be treated as a tax collector and a Gentile, remember who it is that he keeps eating dinner with and preaching to. Jesus spends all, these, all his time with tax collectors and Gentiles because, well, he wants them to hear about mercy. It's not get rid of them. It's keep preaching mercy over and over again. Sometimes sin hurts so bad that things can never go back to the way that it was before. Call it what it is. Terrible. Not okay. But don't think the Lord pulls back his hand from the sinner or the sinned against. Each of these five sermons is about how messy things look when the gospel is given to sinners and not just the law. The law keeps things real nice and ordered because it just gets rid of everybody who sins, but that just leaves an empty building. The gospel given to sinners is messy because it packs all of you in a box and calls you holy and forgiven anyway. But that is called the church. Five sermons dare you to let the gospel define the church, not the law. So call sin exactly what it is, deadly and wrong, Call the church exactly what she is, a box full of sinners. But don't you dare assume that it can't be Christian too, because we actually know some of the reasons that the people here would need Jesus. Instead, rejoice that our Lord puts himself on that altar for you to eat and drink. There, you can actually see the sinners who have hurt you 
receive exactly what they need, forgiveness. There, you can kneel with them, united not by your abilities to get along and pave over, but Jesus' ability to forgive even the worst that we can do to each other. He died for you, for me, for all. He forgives here for you, for me, for all. You can even watch so you don't have to go by your broken heart to try and measure whether or not this place should stand. He gives it to you so that you can receive the same and be forgiven too. Christians are measured by their Christ, not their works. Your sins are forgiven you. Thank God for this box full of sinners. Even when you are painfully reminded that we actually sin, thank God that he would boast to call the church his own, his bride, because the church is where God puts himself for you, to forgive you all, to tie you together based on something more than your ability to get along, based on something more than the law. He knits us together in his holy and precious blood, in the waters of holy baptism, in the gospel. And here he names you holy. We are the box full of sinners made saints now. You are the holy Christian church because Christ is here to make you that way. And you can see it in each action. Every time we kneel together to receive the gift that makes us that way, kneel, eat, drink, and know that holiness was never earned by the people on your left, on your right, or anywhere in between. But holiness was most certainly given. In the name of Jesus, amen.